Redmond plays on, gets the shepherd. He's a good kick of the footy. Redmond! 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 Three in a row! And the Bombers are in front of the G! Archie Perkins! They know it's there! And the ref just spreads around Marvel Stadium! How good is this, Bomber fans? Welcome back to the flight plan, plotting Eston's path back to glory and fame. My name is Jasper Chelopon. I'm joined by a very special guest in the Don's world today, Alex Catalano, mate. How are you? Thank you for having me on, Jasper. Yeah, doing well. Very good to be here. It's been a while since I've jumped on a, a pod with you, but uh, any excuse to talk a bit of Don's, very happy to do so. It's been a while since we caught a game of footy together as well, Alan. I was looking back on it. It was 2021 against Fremantle at Marvel, I believe. and <laughs> You are quite comfortably the loudest supporter I have ever sat at the footy with. You were screaming your head off from the first centre bounce, mate. Uh, twenty twenty one was an interesting season. Let's just say that um, it was a year <laughs> that gave us plenty to scream about. I think um, you know, Truck's first year and um, expectations were high, and uh, I wanted us to win that game. Thankfully, we did, and I was hoping that would be an omen for this week, but. Um, unfortunately not. That was a much better game against the Dockers, I think, than what we uh, saw on <laughs> yes, Saturday night. Exactly right. You are also the most pessimistic supporter I know as well. Every preseason you say we might get relegated and we're not even <laughs> in the Premier League. Mate, it's uh it's ridiculous how pessimistic you get as well. <laughs> uh, I did have us 15th in my ladder predictions this year. So look, I'm always happy to be wrong. I'm like two different people between start of the year when I'm actually at the footy. It's like I'm riding it all the way home, but uh, expectations are always low, but thankfully they've um, delivered a little bit more than I was hoping for this year. So it's been nice so far. Yep. Now, Alan, we are missing our good mate, Toddy. And I'll, I have an update from him for you all because he did have a a, a real scare on, on Friday. He had a bout of dizziness and some nausea and he's had scans on his brain um, that day, I believe, that thankfully came up all clear. Alan, but um, he's spending his Tuesday getting his heart checked out now, which may stem from a heart condition he had in his youth. So fingers crossed for for Toddy. He's um, the great news is he's improved considerably and is taking it easy at home now. But um, please keep him in any thoughts because it's been a scary few days for him, and hopefully he's back next week, fit and firing. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully Toddy's all good, Alan. Yeah, absolutely. No, all we can hope for, as you said, is that um, everything keeps on the improve. And it sounds like um, it is so far. So in our thoughts, Toddy, as we said, and hope you get better quick. Let's move on to this Freo game. It was unfortunately a loss coming off the bye, which we've seen for every bloody team this year. And <laughs> it's it's become a bit of a trend, I think. Since 2019, I saw some stats on Twitter that um, it's a bit of a trend that the top sides lose to the to bottom sides often coming off their bye. And uh, it, you can't really blame anything because there's there's nothing to actually blame. You just come out flat, and I thought we looked pretty flat to start um, that game. We did we did start you know the first ten minutes better than Fremantle, but we just didn't continue on with it, and we, and we looked a little bit flat around the contest. I thought, Alan, yeah, flat is a good way to describe it. I think after those first two goals, I thought, oh, okay, we're we're playing that you know fast style. We're winning clearances, getting the ball moving. Pressure was looking good. Um, but the, yeah, Dockers totally switched that around on us after that point. I don't think we looked the same team in the first five minutes for the rest of the game, really. Um, and, you know, the buy is a weird thing. I don't, I, you, you're right. You don't really think about how it sort of affects, but some teams come out flat, some teams come out firing. This year, it seems like everybody's um, come out a little bit flat. And um, Freo took advantage of that, I thought. And 
you look at their contested work, we know that guys like Sarong and Grayshaw have been having um, great years. Grayshaw going to start a little bit slowly, but they've worked well together in the, the past probably eight weeks or so, even though Freo have been up and down that time. And I thought that was um, the difference in the end. The, the, the start of that game was um, definitely not how we played for the rest of it. Yeah, that I think it was a lot of the effort statistics um, reflected how poor we were in the contest. And, you know, they beat us by double figure tackles. They beat us by about 15 1%ers as well, 48 to 33. And um, although the clearances and contested possessions were were similar, I, th- I thought their exits out of congestion were, were forward of the stoppage and they got really clean breakaways. And yeah. that just meant that even if they don't have the the names up forward, they were able to to really hit um, a groove with their with their leads and their marking because the ball was coming in so well and, and it was delivered on a plate for a lot of these guys. Um, and we just couldn't contain them. The, the back six this year has been really good. And um, we were we were glowing in our praise of them last week, Toddy and I, but it, it, you can't do much when the ball's coming in so easily out of the midfield. And, and that's just what we copped a barrage of all Saturday night. Yeah, I thought that for sure. Not even just coming out of the midfield, but when they were rebounding it out of the back line too, I thought there are a few occasions where we had forward half stoppages and um, they just moved it out so easily and caught us too quick on the rebound, which, I mean, I think we sort of saw that as well in the Geelong game where they were winning those stoppages really quick and um, catching, you know, BZT behind Hawkins. And it was the same in this game. You saw guys are trailing their man or they were um, caught out in matchups they didn't want to be in. Um, it's it's it, Every team suffers from it, especially teams who play a more zone defence style. And um, we do play more man-on-man sometimes. And I think we probably could have benefited from that a little bit more on Saturday night because, yeah, that just kept happening. Yeah, uh, I think another issue, and, and you did allude to it, is not just in the contests and clearances. It was the pressure we put on the footy outside of that in transition um, was not what we've seen this year. And it was a little bit of what we saw last year um, yeah. under Ben Rutten where we're just lacking this pressure on the footy. And, and that comes from the smalls and the small forwards that um, we just don't quite have right now. Yeah, that, that's what I thought a lot watching this game. And it's something that I've been a little bit um, iffy on across this whole year is that the small forward stocks that we've got at the moment. We know that Waller's not at full fitness and he's played a couple of strong games, I thought, yeah. um, when he's been in. But we're lacking a guy who really goes in and tackles hard and pressures the, the opposition when we've got the ball inside 50, trying to lock it in, create repeat stoppages because... That was a huge weakness for us on Saturday night. Um, guys like Snelling, you know, you want to see him doing that. And he only had the four tackles for the night. Um, and then past that, there was barely anyone more with with three or so. Um, the guys that were putting on the pressure were the, the midfielders, I thought, when we were having those repeat stoppages. They're the ones getting around the ball and doing it. But when your small forwards aren't chasing um, and putting the pressure on the, the rebounders who are getting the ball out, um, it's just going to keep resulting in rebound 50s for and I don't know if you have thoughts on this Jasper but um, just that group of small forwards I don't know if it's quite at the level that maybe we've seen from you know we know the midfield group has got so much young talent in it we know that we're getting these key for you know rights back now Sammy Whedon's looked like a good pickup even though he hasn't been performing for probably the, the past month or so and the back line's looking really solid but I can see a real weakness in that group and guys who have maybe still got a fair bit of development ahead of them. Yeah, and I think we'll get into that a little bit later, Alan, when we talk about the AFL draft, um, which we haven't done yet on the podcast this year, and some some list needs that we could probably target um, going into that that period um, in the off season. I think when you look at what 
Frio got out of their small forwards, that's where the stark contrast comes. And and they they had some of their better performances coming from um, this year. We had you know Frederick and Switkowski and Schultz and Walters combining for for six goals. Even Liam Henry had his best game at AFL level. I know he was playing on a wing, but it's really frustrating when these guys pop up and, and produce really good games and you don't get the same level of output from from your guys uh, playing in the, the same positions. Yeah, I thought Frederick was amazing um, on Saturday night. He just kept popping up, I thought, in the second half as well. I think it was the, the second quarter and into the third quarter, he was really doing good work. And um, yeah, Henry, as he mentioned, I don't think I've ever seen him get 30-plus disposals. And he, he looked amazing <laughs> considering they've struggled a bit um, with their wingers when, when Aish was out. But um, he, he looks like he, he's made for it uh, at the moment, Henry, and credit to him um, because I know a few Freya supporters have been <laughs> calling for his head a little bit, but yeah, probably his best game, if not of the season, of maybe even of his career so far. Yeah, I think that was his absolute breakout game. And of course it came up against us. We seem to always <laughs> give it up to just these weird random players absolutely dominate us every single week. It's really bloody annoying. Um, and I, th- I think he would have been a guy before this performance, I, I would have said, he just isn't a winger and I, I can't see why they persist with that. But then you see what he's done and he was really clean. His ball use was fantastic. And that, that comes with having no pressure on the football when, when he didn't, he wasn't pressured. He was able to take ground with his legs and deliver inside 50 really well. And it just kept happening time and time again on that wing spot. Yeah. And I'm not surprised that ended up with a lot of our guys who are normally running on the outside, um, ending up with a lot lower output than they normally have only 15 touches for, for does. I thought, he didn't really have much of an effect and um, not on the wing, but down at half back, Mason Redmond, only the 13 disposals for him this game. I thought it's the first time um, the Red Dogs been this quiet in a very long time. Yeah, they put considerable time into him. They rotated a few on him, but um, they were always, they weren't letting him switch the footy, which he's really good at and get up the ground and, and get those handball receives to deliver inside 50 or have a shot at goal. He just, didn't look likely at any stage. And I don't think he had any position, any kind of disposals in in a dangerous position. Yeah. And that is so rare from from a guy that we've come accustomed to just having the ball uh in a in a position where he can really impact the game. And you look at his heat map, he only had two disposals forward of of halfway. Yeah. And that's just so unlike Red Dog. And um he was a little bit of of what we struggled to do as a team and, and that was attack yeah. transition offense. Yeah, I think it's one of the first times all year that um, Brad's been significantly outcoached. Um, we've seen a few times he's made those big changes at halftime, but um, could yeah couldn't shake that off. Redmond couldn't get the the defensive transition um, short up, couldn't stop them from winning contested ball. Um, so credit to to Longmuir because they we had no answers really for what they were doing. I thought all night. It, it's probably the first time Redmond's have th- had this kind of significant attention put on him and. Um, you know, it's a credit to his season to to have this. You know, J Lo deciding that he needs to you know <laughs> clamp down a little bit on on what Mace has done, but uh, hopefully he learns from this one because he he became a bit of a non-factor and he's had a few games like that this year. But yeah. uh, for the most part, he's just having his best season ever. And um, of course, it's coming in a in a contract year, Alan. You know that every player just performs in a contract year to get that big payday, and um, Redmond's been no different so far yeah. this year what, what do you think other possible reasons are for for the dockers dominance i think clearance and contested possession were a big one and then the ability of those small forwards but i thought luke ryan was like phenomenal down back and he was a bit of a brick wall at times um oh. for us going forward 
Absolutely. 18 marks. I mean, kind of yeah. says it all, really. Like, you don't give up that many to a guy um, for no reason. No, their defensive structure was great. Um, and I think it's it's a bit indicative of a bigger problem with the, the forward line. And um, I don't want to blame them too much this week. Um, you know, Peter Wright was dropping a few marks that he probably shouldn't have. There was one... I think it was in the, the third quarter where he somehow had Ethan Hughes um, lined up against him and he still outbodied him and um, <laughs> and managed to make a spoil, which doesn't happen too often. But um, I, don't, I don't know if it's just rust because we, we've had a few really good forward performances this year. Um, and I don't want to say that, that the whole forward line um, isn't quite at the, the level, but there's been a few times this year and um, I've got a little stat um, from a few games across the season. Um, I'm, I'm taking away the Melbourne game from this one because that game I thought was probably uh, the best we played four quarters all year and kind of was a bit of an outlier in this, but the other five of the, or the other four of the best six offensive teams, Collingwood, St. Kilda, Carlton, Brisbane, um, average, we averaged 70 and a half points in those games. Uh, our normal average per game is 87.5 points. Um, and right. we saw Frio once again kept us to 61 points, nine goals. Um, so when these teams are getting their defensive structures right and, you know, they've got guys like Luke Ryan who's floating across and, and marking everything, um, we struggle and we, we haven't adapted well in those circumstances. The Carlton game even, we had one quarter where we were brilliant and that was a great third quarter, but I thought defensively Carlton still held up pretty well for most of that game. So something in these really strong defensive teams is, is really... Um, making us struggle and I'm not sure 100% what it is I think part of it is that we didn't have right for those games which doesn't help but um, something's got to give a little bit in the forward line maybe something a little bit of a different look um, because Wiedemann I think needs a rest at the moment yeah well that's really interesting that you've pulled that one out and it does speak to a little bit of what I think we all know is that Eston is a a good well-coached side they're potentially outperforming their position on the ladder but we know we're probably not touching those great defensive teams in the league right now. And and the only team above us, I reckon we've beaten is Melbourne. Would I be correct in saying is, that? It I is Melbourne. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're the only ones. Yeah. So we come up against Port Adelaide, which is another really well-coached, defensively minded team, um, which is going to be a huge task. Uh, before we get on to some other stuff, Alan, I want to talk a little bit about Archie Perkins, the discourse around him. He's one of the the smalls. He's playing a, a half-forward position for the majority of, of his um, time this year, but he's one of those smalls that I think we need more from, I agree. But yeah. I, I don't think it's fair, a lot of the discourse around him. He looked fantastic on Crips before the bye. I thought what he does in the midfield, he's a big presence, a, a different kind of outlook compared to the Zach Merritt, Darcy Parrish, Ben Hobbs, smaller types. He never loses his feet and he always gets a handball out. That's the type of midfielder I think he he can become. And we saw some big flashes of that against Cripps and Carlton just before the bye. Do you think he's playing the right position for his development? And that's being said with the knowledge that we're trying to win games right now and we're trying to get our best players in their best positions in the team. Yeah, I've always seen Archie as that half forward flanker type because he's he's great around the goals. Um, as frustrating as it was his first year, I think I was waiting about nine or ten weeks or something before he kicked his first goal. Um, but uh, yeah, he's got good goal sense. Like you said, he's great in the contest. So if he needs to be that guy that pushes up and is the extra number, he's good at doing that. Um, which is probably why we don't see him line up in the centre bounces as much because we've got so many brilliant clearance players that you can put in there. Um, you look at what Hobbs did 
on Saturday night. He was racking up touches for fun too. It was great. Um, so I think I think the half forward flanker role is good for him. I think that works perfectly for his skill set. I don't know if Archie is a full time midfielder at this point in his career. Um, even though he's done well, like you said, in games like the Carlton game where he was following around a guy like Cripps um, and getting his own touches plenty of times too. So um, I think I like him half forward. Like the half forward flanker pushing up into the midfield, adding the extra number. I just think he's a little bit off being full-time mid right now. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I've been big on Brad Scott needing to rotate more players through the centre bounces. Yeah. And I think we have a little bit over time. Perkins only had the three centre bounces. I don't think that's enough. Hobbs had seven, Caldwell had 14, and then you've got the big three up top with Merritt Stringer and Darcy Parrish commanding the bulk of them. Um, I think I would like to see that just a little bit evened out a bit more. Zach Merritt, he can play at that half forward role and, and roll up to stoppages and be that extra body when we're getting, you know, when we're losing those stoppages. I think that would be a real positive role for him to play. And I would have liked to see a switch like that made at some point by Brad Scott, but we stuck to our structure and unfortunately we just couldn't get the job done in the, in the clinches. For, for me, Arch needs some exposure in there. Um, and I think he's within our best five to six midfielders that we're rolling out right now. And I think Parrish had a pretty slow start coming back, yeah. which is to be expected. Um, but hopefully we find a, a better balance in that in that midfield mix because I would like to see him get a few centre bounces and get a bit more exposed to that um, inside kind of cauldron. Let's move on to some AFL draft chat. Um, and I want to hear from you, Alan, what you think what our list is missing right now that can be topped up through youngsters, not just free agency or trade period where you're bringing in these mature bodies. But what do you think we need for the next five years um, going forward? It's an interesting one because I guess, like I said before, I feel like we've got a lot going right in a lot of spaces. The midfield group, I think, is is as close as it will be to um, being complete. Just these guys need to keep developing, like Hobbs and, and Perkins and Caldwell. Um, Sardis, Sardis. As well in the PFL too, don't forget. Yeah, he's getting clearances for fun. Um, in the twos, great to see. Um, the back line, we've got so much young promise in there too, especially key defenders. I think um, it's just a, the matter a matter of them coming on and building. But like I said before, I think something in these small forwards um, is is not quite sitting right with me. And I think if there's a guy, a, a pressure-heavy sort of small forward type who's um, looking to be around our first selection, I'd love to see us go after someone like that. Um, because I, I love I love Davey, what Davey's been doing, but I think he's maybe a little bit too much of a, a, a clean type. Like, he's going to be a guy that's going to be sitting at the bottom of packs and snapping goals around. He might be moving up um, onto the wing or half forward as his career progresses. Um, Menzies a bit like that too, but doesn't quite lay enough tackles every single game. Um, so I want to see someone who is really going to be the, the waller of the future, I suppose. Um, someone like that because... Our forward line looks better when you've got a guy like Waller fit and firing. And if we can find a young guy built in that sort of mould, I think that's what we should be going after right now. Yeah, I, I like the thinking. And small forward has been a dearth for us from last year. We've got guys who are makeshift small forwards. Matt Guelphy, I don't think, you know, he's been made into a pretty solid small forward, but he doesn't have that goal now. And he hasn't played that throughout his junior careers and in the early part of his um, career for us. So we, we probably need to target that and bring in a player who can create something out of nothing. And I know we're going to have Alwyn Davey come through and he's got some experience to to the big time, but I think he's more of a, a midfielder wingman type 
Um, and I'll, I'll consistently say that because his work around the ground and his work with footy in hand is really impressive. And and then his his brother, we can't rely on him within the next three or four years because he's coming back from two significant knee injuries and um, he's going to take his time to, to progress. And we need to allow him that time. Same said for Anthony Mankara. A couple of boys I'm really interested in, and this is, bear in mind, this AFL draft, I think, heavily skews to to key position talent. I wouldn't say there's much in terms of pure midfield talent and the bottom ages in terms of midfielders are probably the most impressive, which will be the 2024 draft. So we're probably looking at a pick, I'd say around 10 to 12, Alex, we can probably expect. Um, yeah. Small forwards in that range. I think Jack Deline as a South Australian, he's a really crafty small forward. He's kicked some bags in the national championships as well for the AFL Academy um, he switched on. He's a little bit of a Cody Waitman type. I think he can fly high, produce some mercurial kind of exploits as well as, um, you know, chase and tackle and everything you need from a modern day small forward. For me, the one I really am interested in, and he's been sliding throughout the year, Ashton Moyer from South Australia by way of Glen Elg, um, 188 centimeters, 84 kilos. He's more in the mold of um, that Anthony Mankara type where he could be a third tall, but his work at ground level is, is his best. And um, I think he's slid simply due to his lack of consistency to date. He was number two on my rankings in the first two months of the year. He's down to ninth now. And I think he might slide out of the top 10 just because we haven't seen his best at all. And his bottom age campaign was much better than it is right now. He's a kid who can kick off both feet. Um, he, he stops on a dime and is super evasive and you just can't tackle him at times. And I think in an elite environment, Ashton Moyer could absolutely thrive. And I reckon the Dons will be heavily looking at him right now. I remember seeing him up in that number two spot. And yeah, if he slides, it would be a very interesting one. Uh, it was a similar sort of story with with Hobbs uh, picking him up where I remember he was projected a bit higher too to start off and slid a little bit throughout the year. And um, I think Dodori made a great choice going after him uh, at the pick that we did. So I like the, like, like the looks of this guy a lot too. 188 is interesting. Um, when you're looking at a guy who maybe has a ground level presence, um, I, I wonder if almost it might make the forward line too tall having a guy like him in there. We've also got Langford and, and Perkins and those type of guys rotating through. Um, but look, if he's if he's got talent, um, I don't think you, you can ignore um, that sort of skill set. There's always someone late in the piece who emerges uh, with that small forward now. And last year it was Jacob Constanti. Uh, and this year it'll be really interesting to see who does so in the national champs. Um, Jack Callanan from Tasmania is just an absolute freak without the ball. He chases down players and produces tackling highlights like few others in the draft. Um, and that's something that we absolutely need, I think, right now. And Fremantle game really highlighted that um, from both of our perspectives there, Alan. So a guy like that, I think at some point throughout the draft, maybe not with our first pick because you can potentially get them later, would be something that I'd 100% be, um, be looking to bring in, as you said. Yeah, definitely. The other thing, uh, maybe more of a long shot, but I'm not sure whether Nick Bryan's not getting opportunity um, because the, his development hasn't been going the way we've been looking for it to or um, he's potentially looking to, to head elsewhere after this season. I've heard he's been linked to a few different clubs. I'm not sure if he is going to go or not, but... He got his first chance in bloody ages um, on Saturday night um, and he ended up getting subbed out. So I I'm not too sure whether maybe we look at developing another young ruck. Um, we know Phillips hasn't got 
um, you know, <laughs> ahead of him. Um, we don't really have anyone else past Brian at the moment. So that could be one maybe to look at as well of Ruck. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point, Alan. And we, we desperately missed Draper and any fan saying that, you know, Draper hasn't had a great season. I think it showed against Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson just how much we, we need him in there just as yeah. that big body to quell the influence of opposing Ruckman, but also his work in the contest is really underrated. It may not be that, you know, stat stuffing kind of performance that you see from other Ruckman, but his little blocks and his way of clearing the path for, for our midfielders is really important. And we've missed that. And I think he's probably going to miss again on the weekend. And that's going to be a huge out against Port Adelaide where you can take advantage of Scott Lysette and their Ruckman, but Without him, Phillips and and potentially Brian, if he holds his spot, have really got to work um, hard to to compete around that rut contest because that is something that we really lost out on, and it's no coincidence that we we lost clearances and we lost contested possessions and tackles and and pressure acts in the in that midfield battle because we didn't get first use a lot of the time. I want to move on, Alan, to some. AFLW, some VFLW as well, because the Dons girls are gearing up for a huge AFLW campaign and we're coming into finals in the VFLW and this is your domain. You absolutely thrive around these clinches. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Firstly, the VFLW, I think the last round of the season, is it this weekend? It is coming up uh, this weekend and there's about four or five teams that can still make finals. There's only, what is it? Port Melbourne on top of the ladder on 36 points. Uh, North Melbourne are in ninth on 28. So that's how close oh it is, top six through to finals. Um, and we are sitting seventh, uh, just behind Geelong on percentage. So it's literally a case of if we win, we're in. Um, well, things could still go wrong, but uh, that is basically what we need to do. We've got the Bulldogs at home at Windy Hill. Um, that oh is a game that we would be hoping we can win. Uh, Bulldogs are second last on the ladder at the moment. So... Uh, I think we can make it through, um, but, but if the Cats win, it makes things a little bit harder. Uh, if the Saints win, it makes things a little bit harder. So it's literally, we don't know if we're playing finals until this weekend, the end of this weekend. Um, it's actually crazy That is uh, with how close it's been in the AFLW so far this year. That is a very scary proposition, Alan. Um, what time is that game at Windy Hill, do you know? Early rise, 11 a.m. Um, so if you want to get down there, um, support the girls, get behind them. Um, yeah, absolutely, I'm sure they'd appreciate it. And hopefully you can see them win and get through the finals. But as I said, that's still not guaranteed at the moment. Um, anything could happen because the Hawks and the Saints are playing each other. Um, and the Hawks could even miss if they lose, um, which is crazy. They're sitting in fourth, but we're still only two points behind them. So um, a lot of results have to sort of go our way. Uh, but the girls have been doing well. They've probably suffered a little bit in recent weeks because the AFLW players um, have gone to full-on pre-season training, but yep. they could still make a splash, I think, if they if they get there. Fantastic wrap. And then the AFLW, as you alluded to just then, in full swing in terms of pre-season, how did you assess our off-season? I know a lot of it for us was just retaining the talent we were able to get in our inaugural season. How, how did we go with the off-season? Yeah, look, I thought it was a pretty big off-season um, in the end. I didn't think we were going to make too many moves, what with the um, the top-up draft where we didn't end up having any picks because we traded them away for yeah. players. But we ended up getting six new players in, and I'm pretty happy um, with all the, the names that we managed to bring in. Like I said, retained everyone big that we wanted to. Um, had to make a few delistings, unfortunately, but um, AFLW lists are so small that it's kind of the way you have to go if you want to get 
new talent through the door. Um, but Brooke Brown, I'm huge on um, from North Melbourne. She comes into the back line as probably the best rising um, tall defender in the league at the moment. I would say she's a great rebounder, um, great one-on-one. She'll be a great addition and frees up everyone a little bit back there. Um, the other one I'm really interested to see how she goes is Cody Jarks from Richmond. Um, those are the two we traded our uh, top-up draft picks for. And um, I thought we lacked a bit of grunt in the midfield across last year. And it was a bit of Maddie Prisparkis, um take on the rest of the world <laughs> at so times. Um, but uh, she's a, a real hard nut, um, Cody. And she'll lay tackles. She'll win contested ball. She'll dish it out. Um, she hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity in her career so far, but I think with consistent games, she could develop. She's so young, still plenty of time left ahead of her. Um, and Georgia Nanscombe is going to come into the midfield too this year after rehabbing her ACL all of last year. So That is such a big be, in. It's going to be a pretty different looking midfield this year. I'm really, really keen to see how they go. Fantastic, mate. Um, do we have an outlook for this year? Do you have a prediction? I know you predicted the boys finish 15th, so I'll take this one with a grain <laughs> of salt. But last year we we were like the best of the um, expansion sides by an absolute mile. So yeah. do you reckon we can make finals? It's uh, it's so hard with the AFLW because if the, it goes the way that it's looking likely to at the moment, it might only be 10 games again this season. Um, you're barely playing over half of the competition, so it really relies on your draw, um, which we had a pretty decent draw last year, I thought, and we did quite well. And we nearly beat Richmond, Collingwood, Geelong, all games I wouldn't have expected us to to get up for, but um, if we turn those kind of results around this year, we could be looking at six, seven wins, which is well and truly enough to make uh, a top eight, but it's so hard. So many other teams going to improve. I, I think teams like Port, Hawthorne, Sydney, West Coast, St Kilda um, are all going to be winning more games across this season. Then, of course, you've still got um, the likes of Melbourne, fresh off a, a flag, who have lost basically no one from their team yeah, um, yeah. aside from Daisy retiring. So I have no um, doubts that they're going to be great again. Um, I think we can expect that we should be around finals. I think all the additions are great. Um, I just want to see a few players step up across the year. We you know, had a few players like um, Jess Wichner come in who she had a few really good games, probably needs a bit of consistency in the forward line. Same thing with Georgia G. Um, she didn't kick a goal across the whole season, which was probably unexpected. Um, so we've got players that still have a lot of improvement ahead of them and lots of youngsters who we know can um, turn games around. Paige Scott, uh, one of my absolute favourites. She was yes, an absolute, absolute hard nut <laughs> already last year and she's only going to get better. So, yeah, plenty of players in the squad who I think um, can have just as good, if not better, seasons than last year. At a, <laughs> an optimistic estimate, I'll say 7th to 8th for the girls this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if we just miss finals. Um, depending on the run. I, I reckon we'll, we'll get teams like Adelaide, who we didn't play last year, who, even though they lost a couple of players, is still going to be hard to beat. Um, and it's going to be such a hard competition all around. So win the games we should win. I think we can get there. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I love the optimism. I know Melbourne didn't lose anyone except Daisy, so they're probably going to be the team to beat again. Brisbane and Adelaide lost quite a few, but their cultures are so good. Alan, am I right in saying that you know they'll still be up towards the pointy end because... That that's just the the culture they've created and, and they bring in players and develop them so well. Yeah, I think so. Brisbane losing a best and fairest winner in Emily Bates is always going to hurt and Greta Bodie out of the forward line. Same thing with Adelaide for Ash Woodland. I, I wonder what their forward lines can look like this year because they do not have many players that um, are kicking goals there at the moment, but um, look, they'll, they'll always be up there. They're great teams, great cultures, like you said, um, and they'll find a way to pull it together. They always do. 
Brilliant work, mate. Let's get on to a quick preview of Port Adelaide. They are absolutely flying, but the one thing we have an advantage is they are coming off the bye here. Oh, my God. Well, if the curse stands, <laughs> um, which, like we said, it has for all but one game so far, um, you never know. Look, I, I'm not I'm not going to say I'm optimistic. I'm glad we're not playing them at Marvel. They're home away from home. That would have yep. made it a lot worse. Um, but we did push them all the way um, back in Adelaide. Um, it feels like it, it wasn't even that long ago. Um, it was only round eight, uh, which is crazy. But um, I think on paper, we're a better team than we were just by nature of having Peter Wright back in the forward line. Um, Port have been travelling so well, though. I really don't know what to what to think. I think they're capable of beating anyone at the moment. Um, and it, it definitely scares me. <laughs> There's um they are such a good contest team and they've got Rosie and Butters who absolutely fly on the outside of contests as well and and really yeah. impact with momentum and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really tough ask the the two keys I think outside of this contest is Jeremy Finlayson up forward I think can absolutely kill us and we we only played them a couple months ago yeah. um and he was he was very good and then Alir Alir down back is so important to their intercept game and and getting transitionally going offensively um, that those two we really need to occupy. Uh, other than that, I, th- I think we have a red-hot shot at it because it is at the MCG and they don't play it very well. I think they've won one of their last five there and like a lot of interstate sides, they really struggle to play at the G. So I, I don't mind our chances here. And I said we should be favourites against Fremantle. So take what I say with a grain of salt here. But, but I think that we can we can win this one, Alan. And maybe that's just me being optimistic, but I think we're, we're a chance. Uh, you, you mentioned the forwards with um, Finn Lason and uh, I, I worry about what we might look like if um, BZT is possibly out this week. I'm not sure if he ended up getting concussed or not. Um, but if he's in the protocols, he obviously can't play this week, which would be a big issue. If he's in, I'm a lot more optimistic with our chances of um, matching up well, but they've got some weapons in the forward line, and the back line is a bit shaky on the weekend. Like you said, their midfield's been unbelievable, and the midfield was definitely shaky. Um, so I worry about those matchups head-to-head. If if they get going, we know guys like um, Horn Francis can pop up and, He's such a, an explosive player when he's at his very best. And uh, Butters and Rosie have been putting in shifts for the past two months. So I'm nervous about how we match up against those guys and um, possibly maybe look to to do a tagging job on someone. I'm not sure who we put to them. Caldwell did pretty good ones last year. Uh, maybe we do Perkins. Like you said, his role on Crips was pretty good. Um, something needs to be done to match up on that midfield because they can just run right if they're left to their own devices. Exactly what I was going to say. If they're able to run free without body pressure on them, um, it, it's game over. And I, I, for one, didn't expect them to be this good this year, Port Adelaide. Uh, but you can see that they're all playing for Ken and they're, they're playing under a really good system right now. And um, mm. it's going to be a huge task for the boys. But I absolutely love that we have the opportunity to respond against a great side and John O'Walsh kind of put it really well when I said it doesn't get easier from here coming up against Port Adelaide who were, who were in first place um, at the time of us losing that game against Fremantle. But 
it, it is a great opportunity for us to bounce back because none of us would have been impressed with that performance over in the West and the opportunity to come back at the MCG in front of the faithful against an interstate side, make it a hostile environment, get along to the game if you can, Don's fans. It's going to be a huge game for our club and and one that I think we have a red-hot crack at um, on the Saturday night. Yeah, I just want to see the pressure that was missing on Saturday night. I want to see that. And that's going to be, you know, we've got a much better opportunity at home to do that um because port will walk all over us if we let them um so gotta be gotta be on the front foot (laughs) you're not wrong alan thank you so much for joining me on this flight plan it's been a bit of a special one and like uh we said before we wish toddy all the best hopefully you'll be hearing from him this time next week if you want to follow alex on twitter he is a cat 493 on twitter go give him a follow because he's great to listen to he's one um diehard dons fan that i absolutely love uh, chatting to so this one's been pretty special thank you so much for joining me alan thanks for having me on jasper and uh here's to a win this week because we definitely need it looking at the next month i don't know if you make it to too many ends of flight plans but i usually sign off with this one at least we're not north melbourne <laughs>